Looking forward to the shots. 1992 edition they are so, so my wikipedia page tells me in league two and so my bbc website tells me 19th place so they are bona fide rubbish uh, so yeah, uh, i don't think we need to worry about that one the bigger bigger tasks ahead yes absolutely ahead as in before let's look back at liverpool yeah it wasn't wasn't the greatest uh derby if you want to call it that match with liverpool ever was it so it was a pretty pretty average performance by united thought liverpool bossed midfield created the most chances the better chances and united got away with it somewhat and they kind of had that feeling from about 45 minutes before the the kickoff when the team sheet was announced and it was like a weird formation and four centered backs in the team and like one center midfield and i was like oh dear here we go another disjointed performance about to happen and and so it unfolded yeah absolutely i don't think anyone looking at that team sheet would have expected a fluent and impressive manchester united performance although you know there have been times in recent seasons where ferguson's picked a very odd looking team sheet notably last season the arsenal game uh, in the fa cup um with the seven defenders you look at the team sheet and think what is all that about and and it does work but this was this was definitely not one of those occasions i mean we we really kind of mugged them for one all i mean i saw a lot of people saying um and people whose opinions i generally respect about these things saying ferguson's gamble sort of paid off really we we reduced the number of chances they had but it, it didn't feel like that to me it felt like in spite of Packing the midfield, obviously with the intention of uh, closing up what's been a very open back four, uh, it felt like we were still pretty open, only now we also didn't have very much going forward. Well, yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of truth in that. And, I mean, Ferguson confirmed afterwards that it was uh, the three previous results at Anfield, three defeats in a row, had come into his thinking and, and to be honest it kind of feels like false thinking to me you take the team on merit Liverpool are inconsistent okay you know they're on a generally upward trajectory at the moment so um, fair and fair enough but but we are champions we are second in the league yeah are we really now saying that going to the team that finished what seventh last year and might get in the top four now uh, requires such a move uh, by Ferguson I mean is he going to now do this at Arsenal uh, and Chelsea and Manchester City uh, is this the the plan now to try and lock out all those games by going ultra defensive it, it just it seemed to smack of slightly wrong-headed thinking and I, I think what was the moment the United started playing well when Rooney and Nani came on and then Hernandez about 10 minutes later and suddenly United had a bit of attacking impetus and and we started crank a you know at least a little bit more feeling that that uh, we might score though i have to say liverpool also throughout their last sort of quarter of that game looked like they could score so i mean i'm not convinced that really it was the last the last fixtures at all at anfield that made Fergie make those decisions I think that might be a little bit of a a way of spinning the answer because he didn't want to say I didn't pick Wayne Rooney because his head was all over the place and there's no way he would have stood up to the test of 90 minutes at Anfield which seemed to be you know part of the reason I mean there was a lot of talk about Rooney having reacted very badly to being given a three-match ban and missing the group stages and thus being as it's England probably the entirety of Euro 2012 also we've talked about this many times historically Rooney doesn't play very well at Anfield always trying so hard Evertonian gets loads of stick there you know all those really obvious things Um, last season he dropped Rooney uh, for the Everton game uh, just before everything completely exploded you got the sense that that was sort of because his head was wrong and I, I wonder if that was that was really the thinking and then when he decided he wasn't going to play Rooney he you know he, he thought well actually that makes my decision a bit easier and I can I can play 4-5-1 legitimately but I just it, it just didn't look like a team that was going to work uh, Phil Jones in centre midfield which we've talked about basically every show of the season so far or everyone where we've dealt with listener questions that question's come up I mean he didn't have a terrible game but I think he looked like a central defender playing in central midfield to me yeah yeah me, me too I, I I don't quite get this call I, I mean you know at the risk of repeating myself I think he, he's going to be a, a fabulous centre back uh has work to do still uh, but I, I think he's got all the makings of being a really top class centre back or he could be a run of the mill midfielder so you know which one do you really want 
just because he could play midfield because he's got talent doesn't mean he should I, I don't think there's a chance I don't think there's a chance ever that they would do that say in Spain take a ball playing central defender and go oh yeah you should be a midfielder I think it's a very British mentality so I hope that kills that one dead he he, he was alright but no better than that no absolutely um, it, it was it was a kind of uncomfortable performance delightful delightful equaliser from Chicharito his little face comes on scores an absolutely vital goal at Anfield it's as if the boy had right I'm going to come to United and what I'm going to do is I'm going to do all exactly what needs to be done to become a massive folk hero for the rest of my life uh, he's he's doing a jolly good job at and, that. and from a corner as well uh, yeah well this is this is the new United isn't it although did Nanny take the corner actually, that can't that that cannot be possible. I can't remember, but I refuse to accept it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. It, it, yeah, you're right. Folk hero. And uh, he's, I mean, he's had a middling season so far, Hernandez, and he's not been helped by uh, multiple international breaks and obviously injury in pre-season and then uh, the two injuries during the season as well. So no, nothing to do with him, really. I don't think it's we can start attributing any troubles to second season syndrome or anything like that. He's just been a bit unlucky. I don't think it, he gets a run of games, he's going to score goals because that's what he does he just uh, quick as a flash he was the wrong side of the defender and put the ball away he's just a superstar in the making isn't he it's getting to the point where it's not going to be in the making he's just going to be a superstar by the end of this season I think you know but we'll we'll see it's a shame that Danny Welbeck didn't score the winner in the 92nd minute and point at the number 19 on his back in front of the cop that would have been alright wouldn't it I, I think uh, I think Rio Ferdinand did that, didn't he? After the game, yeah, he was uh, encouraging Welbeck to show his number nineteen. So. <laughs> um, right, talking of doing stuff to wind up the cop, uh, Evra kissed his badge in front of uh, the cop. My my favourite of the two high-profile badge kissing incidents of the week. Although you could you could say it's 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 perhaps a little bit foolish thing to do under those circumstances. Big old wind up after he was allegedly racially abused by uh, Luis Suarez. Luis Suarez vehemently denied it, wrote a quite impassioned defence of himself on his Facebook page saying he just would never do something like that. That's just not how he thinks. No, he's just a, he's just a cheating diver. Well, yeah, but you can be a, you can be a cheating diver without being, you know, a racist. Absolutely, we've, we've... yeah. Yeah, it's it's a tough one this one, isn't it? Because um, I mean, I think we know the outcome. The FA are going to do nothing because uh, they don't want to get involved in stuff like this unless there's an incredibly high bar of proof and and you could also say that that's fair enough because there should be an incredibly high bar of proof uh, but I, I, I find a reaction to the, the whole thing, I mean, yeah, football's tribal isn't it, and uh, the tribalism has come out and sometimes it shows the worst of football fans and uh, Liverpool could do nothing but back at the player I suppose, although they clearly did that before having reviewed any evidence um, and I find the accusations of playing you know, Pratchus ever playing the race card pretty distasteful so A he doesn't uh, and and uh, the interpretation that he's frequently quote unquote played the race card is just uh, plain false and and B it's a really serious charge and you've got to ask yourself why would Patrice ever make this up? Why would he not go to the... The first thing he did was not go to the media and go, oh, you know, he he called me a N star, 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 R. Um, he, he went to the referee's office with Ferguson and they made a complaint about it. And then he told the media about it. It's been pretty sick, the some of the response to to it and and you, you use the word you said football's pretty tribal you said football's tribal football's stupid that's the thing people are really stupid when it comes to football they, they, their their right thinking goes completely out the window and and yeah it just aligns along tribal grounds you've got united funds the, the, you know, this is a really broad brushstroke, but generally speaking, there was this move where United fans assume it's true, Liverpool fans assume it's not true, and there's no basis for either position. There is a brilliant piece on the Republic of Mancunia, uh, written by Sean O'Sullivan, about just the the assumptions made and the the lies told about Evera that this this kind of propagation that re- Ev- that's been in the media that Evera is somehow someone who has historically done this and and cried wolf i had a discussion with someone at my work a liverpool fan but not a not a, a you know not not an idiot somebody who you know is, is is a fairly right thinking person and and he just completely had hook line and sinker bought the line that ever was 
historically wrapped up in this kind of thing all the time and it's really sad and in my experience there are not a lot of times in life where someone accuses someone else of playing the race card and that in itself is not a racist act generally speaking when people say oh so and so's just playing the race card there's a there is an aspect of racism in that in that accusation you know it's there is and and it's uh, yeah it's a dismissal of of uh, Patrice Evra's right to freedom of speech as well I, I thought there was a, a some interesting stuff coming out of apparently coming out of the Liverpool camp reported by Daniel Taylor at The Guardian that they would seek punishment for Evra if the uh, allegations were proven unfounded and they you know because it's you know it's so, so disgraceful for him to have made this charge well I hang on a minute I mean I know we don't have freedom of speech enshrined into a constitution like uh, they do in the states and, and uh, so Evra doesn't actually have the right to an opinion um, enshrined into the constitution but uh, he certainly has a moral right to an opinion if he wants to say this man racially abuse me has every right to do that and uh, I don't there's no I, I don't see why there should be any burden of proof on him and if he can't prove it he's punished I mean uh, I, the analogy I drew on the website talking about this was uh, with women who get raped thousands of women be sent to prison every year because about one percent of cases are ever proven you know and it's probably the same with allegations of racism as well and it's very hard when it's one person's word against another and there's been inconclusive TV evidence about yeah and, you know I uh, I I would suspect that racists on the on the on in general are going to be pretty underhand about their racism unless they're in the national front. And I don't I don't know whether Louis Suarez is a member of that organisation or not. So no, the point in the long rambly way is that uh, I don't think Suarez is going to be obvious about it. I think it probably boils down to one man's word against another. I think Ever has every right to say it. And and yeah, fair enough. There's going to be a high bar for any punishment, and uh, the likelihood is Suarez won't get punished for this and it won't be proven. But uh, I have say this this, uh, whole uh, episode is pretty sorry tale for football yeah absolutely and uh, you know but just as just as i i kind of think the idea of punishing patrice evra if i mean there was talk people talking about he should be punished if it's not found to be the truth and that is just absolutely ridiculous i mean if you're if you i think there is definitely an argument to say if you can conclusively prove that this person is just defaming another person's character then that's that's pretty that's a pretty intense situation you would never ever be able to conclusively prove that because ever could have heard you know it's a simple it could be as simple as mishearing a word it's not impossible you know um by the way i'm not saying that's what's happened you know yeah he said he said uh it, it, it was said to him 10 times so well then that's you know i mean the whole situation is is very unpleasant obviously and it was interesting to see ferguson saying well we kind of have to back our player so we're going to back our player it was a very sort of i mean i think i think mostly he was just concerned about the united versus liverpool aspect of it getting out of hand yes. i think yes uh, i i I think he was concerned about that. Pretty is, responsible yeah. in that sense, Fergie, I think, a lot of the time. And I thought Dalglish, on the other hand, didn't, did not... I mean, this is, you know, this is a Manchester United podcast, so I think Ferguson handled it quite well and Dalglish handled it not that well is uh, probably a pretty, you know, you can probably pretty much dismiss my opinion on that, but, but that's what I actually think happened. Yeah, I, I, I broadly agree with you. On the other hand, I think Dalglish got his tactics pretty much right and Ferguson got his pretty badly wrong to, to, to balance the argument. Uh, Yes, and and United got away with it, and, and yep. um, I mean, I, I guess I guess that's mostly the Liverpool game, isn't it? And it's 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 worrying because that's it's a pattern of pretty average play over the last six weeks or so, and I know it's coincided with Tom cleverly being out, and, and maybe that's a key factor here. Although uh, I think, as I said at the beginning of the season, if the the burden of your creative responsibility falls solely on Tom cleverly a 21-year-old, with this is pretty much his well, basically his first season with United proper. Uh, that that's a, a very risky strategy, and uh, that that's yeah may well play out. There's the thing that that yeah absolutely we've gone off the boil since cleverly got injured, but that doesn't mean we're going to come back to the boil if he comes back into the first team. That's that's the thing. It's not it's not that sort of situation, is it? it you can't you don't necessarily you can't really necessarily afford to assume that he's going to just get fit and slot back in, and him and Anderson will play in centre midfield with Young on the left and Nani on the right, and Rooney and either Hernandez or Welbeck up front, and it'll all magically work again. You know, because yeah. that's a fairly, it's an incredibly 
attractive lineup, but there's there's definitely potential for that not to work. I think also we cannot fail to point out, Ed, that up until the day you got married, we were playing really well, and ever since you've been married, it's not gone well at all. Now, I'm not saying you have to get that wedding annulled, but Mm. is it worth thinking about? That's my question. It's a a good point. Very well made. Yeah, yeah. How much do divorce lawyers cost? I don't know, but Fergie should stump up for it if it's, you know, it shouldn't be your burden to pay for it. That's that's right. Well, look, it wouldn't harm to try, would it? (laughs) No, apart from, you know, your personal happiness and all that. But it's a sacrifice worth making. One of the reasons that Ferguson perhaps played a slightly understrength lineup against Liverpool was because the game away in Romania in midweek took on a much more important tone given the two draws in the first two fixtures in the Champions League. We, We kind of... I mean, I got away with it. It's a bit ridiculous, given we were by far the better side against Galati. But it wasn't exactly a dynamic and exciting performance, was it? No, it, re- it really wasn't but the better side. But you'd kind of expect that, given that their, <laughs> yeah. their total annual wage bill is like, you know, Wayne Rooney's weekly wage or something, isn't it? So uh, it's uh, it wasn't a, it wasn't a great performance by United. Uh, it took kind of suicide, basically, on Galati's part. I mean, incredible handball for the first penalty. Just what was he thinking? Uh, the manager must be must have gone mad with him. And then it wasn't a soft penalty, but Wayne Rooney definitely bought the second penalty. So United did get away with that. I mean, it might not have happened, right? It wasn't obvious that we were going to get the breakthrough. Yes, playing better than them, but you would expect it. Uh, and if we hadn't been kind of gifted that first penalty, it might not have happened. No, absolutely. Um, I, I have to say, I was not particularly confident even when we did get that first penalty. And uh, Rooney didn't take that first penalty very well, but the goalkeeper went completely the wrong way. And it was kind of very heartening to see, actually, that Rooney's second penalty was, was perfect. It was it was pretty much totally unstoppable. So um, I'm wondering if that, that was a little sign of some confidence returning. The first point you made there about not confident even after the first goal, well, yeah, a minute a minute later, Michael Carrick made a, a goal-stopping tackle, didn't he? And, he did. And uh, and Vidic obviously with the red card which would never have been given as a red card in the Premier League uh, but um, but Fergie probably called that one right saying there's a there's a different uh, different level of, of uh, looking at these things in, in European football and uh, the German referee decided that, that that kind of very 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 late tackle was was dangerous enough for a red I mean I, I'm I'm pretty ill-informed about the actual laws of the game like like everyone else that talks about football on a regular basis except for about three people as far as I can work out um, uh, it seemed a completely shocking decision to me uh, I was talking to at Sleepy Nick on Twitter who's a referee said in Europe basically a red in, in this competition you, 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 you can't really say that it's not a red I mean if he gets a ban extended beyond one match that would that would seem to be very harsh yeah um, uh, I, I have to say I, I take uh, and, and if he's listening you know with with all respect I take Sleepy Nick's opinions on refereeing them with a, a large grain of salt I think if that referee pulled out a shotgun and, and uh, blown Vidic away he would defend it as being constitutionally <laughs> okay in the laws of the game law 13.8 one says you are allowed to shoot your no i mean yeah i i don't buy it at all you don't think it was a red i i don't know i it was it was extremely late uh, uh very very late and it was high in that it was uh it was above the ankle but below the knee but it was top of the foot uh he it wasn't the studs it was one footed so uh, i i don't know whether you can interpret that as dangerous and there aren't different rules here right maybe they referees do generally there's a culture of generally interpreting different the laws of the game are the laws of the game and uh, okay if referees interpret it differently that's one thing but uh, they're not actually different in the Champions League no no and and you know when I when I watched it I thought that that, that doesn't look like a red card to me and looks it looked like a, a, a yellow because it's you know it's one foot and all that kind of stuff it just looked like a professional foul really and Vidic, Vidic looks uh, you know when, when when players looked really 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 shocked that they've been sent off and it's it's kind of different from that really elaborate posturing that players sometimes do when they when yes, they when they yeah. you know when they're trying to look like they shocked he, he really loves like what sorry you're sending me off uh, i'm gonna have to rethink my whole world view in that in, under these circumstances and and you know it, it did referees very inexperienced wasn't he um and it, it did seem a little bit like oh i've just given united a penalty i better you know even it up a bit yeah 
Yeah, uh, Vidic being back, he, he had a pretty good game, looking for some positives from that performance. Rooney's second penalty, as I said, that was a pretty big positive from the performance. Um, Michael Carrick was excellent, absolutely excellent in that game. Just spraying the ball around, keeping possession, not wasteful with the ball, filling up those gaps at the back. Just, just had it, He had a good game, yeah. No rare one, but yeah, he, he did. Well, okay, a rare, excellent game, I would say. Decent Fair games enough. are not that rare for him. And Anderson, a terrible first half much better second half I thought yeah Anderson's gone massively off the boil massively yeah which is uh, deeply worrying ahead of of the uh, the derby at the weekend because uh, there's there's quite a few quite a few conundrums for Fergie to, to kind of work out here I think after the past couple of performances the past month or so there's quite a few players who are not performing as we'd like them to so uh, yeah I'm hoping that Fergie gets team sheet right on Sunday so before we move off the Galati game I, I, I don't get a lot of abuse on Twitter, which is very nice. I think probably generally because I'm, I try and keep it fairly positive and light. But I've had two instances of major Twitter abuse this week. One for saying that I thought the sun was a complete disgrace and hypocritical organisation of the highest possible order and they should never be allowed to publish a newspaper again after today's front cover and the other because I said that Wayne Rooney it was absolutely ridiculous for Wayne Rooney to be kissing the badge and he has absolutely no right whatsoever to do it and our good friend Torsten from from Germany he was saying that I, I, I just need to let it go man I just need to forgive Rooney or not forgive Rooney and it's like it's nothing to do with forgiveness it's a, it's completely impersonal I I, I, I I don't think that Wayne Rooney's a bad person for kissing the badge. I, I don't think that, you know, he can never be accepted by United fans because of what he did. I just think that one year ago he said he wanted to leave the club because it didn't match his ambitions and now this badge kissing thing, it's 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 not important in the slightest. It's meaningless. It's it's just, I'm just I just think it's stupid, that's all. I think it's a very misguided attempt to market himself to the to the fans and uh, to say, Hey look, I'm still one of you and uh, I you know, I love this club and whatever and I I think it's it's uh, he he has no moral right to do that and uh, he's he's got that one badly wrong I think but but clearly well maybe he hasn't if you took some abuse maybe maybe the general feeling is oh you know it's okay now you know if, to me it, to me it feels like David Gill telling us the debt's all okay you know and people defending it I mean it's just it's nonsense he shouldn't have done it because I just don't I don't believe in him I don't believe in him I, it's fine it's, it's it's okay to accept Wayne Rooney as a very good player he gets paid an awful lot of money to do a job and he works he works really hard he's really committed he's really passionate about his his play he's a, a team yeah, player all, all and, of that you know. stuff but but to try and pretend that that he's one of us and he's a fan and playing for united means more to him than than picking up the pay packet and win some trophies is is uh, i think kidding ourselves well you see i don't totally agree with your position just because i'm not entirely convinced it's that calculating i i, I think there is there is there's an emotional transference that happens when a player scores a goal in front of a crowd of people who are delighted he's just scored that goal there's you know people love their football team and they love players that score for them and love is an incredibly powerful emotion and when you get hit by a wave of love um from many people it changes how you feel in that moment and yeah it could absolutely just be cynical he could have decided you know oh yeah look i'll show them i still i'm still one of them and get them back on side and all that stuff it could be that i'm not saying it's premeditated no no but i just think it's it's in it's in that moment yeah you know i don't necessarily think it's a cynical gesture i just think it's it's, a, it's an empty one in a broader sense you know it's it, it in that moment there's there's some meaning to it but but you know he's just he just doesn't he's just not a united fan and that's fine that's absolutely fine most of the united squad aren't you know mm. uh, there's like you know there's a handful and that's brilliant and he, there's no there's no question that he's not giving his all and he's not in inverted commas forgiven for for threatening to walk away from the club to go to manchester city a year ago it, it, it's it's not a question of forgiveness it's just that's the reality of the situation and he that's what he did and he's got to live with the consequences of that and absolutely i forgive, I forgive him the minute it happens because it's meaningless it's only a game. You're making some salient points until the right end. <laughs> let yourself down, don't you? Only a game. Talking about more than only a game, the derby at the weekend, massive, huge, isn't it? I mean, City top, United not top. Momentum with City, you'd say, given given United's performances really uh, recently. Uh, and jeez, uh, this uh, could be could be a season-defining moment in many ways. Even so early, I mean, City win, they're five points clear. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we win, we're back on top of the league, and I think maybe 
you know, we're on, t- on top by points for the first time in a little while. Do you hear my voice just crack when I say, um, there's me five minutes ago saying, less than five minutes ago, two minutes ago, it's only a game. Now it's, this is, doesn't get bigger, does it? Ferguson said that the Liverpool-Manchester United game is the biggest fixture in world club football and I think we have to take that with a slight pinch of salt perhaps, given that Liverpool haven't won anything for such a long time. Uh, but Manchester City are in with a real chance of winning the league this season. There's, there's no two ways about it. They've got a lot of things still to prove that it's very early in the season yet plenty of time for them to pull a city and implode huge egos in that dressing room all that kind of stuff but uh, the way they're playing versus the way we're playing are they not favorites for this game is it not more likely that they'll win than we will well i mean it's a, it's a good question yeah i mean two very different philosophies aren't they and uh, mancini's he's so, yeah let's let's generalize he's an italian coach he thinks in an italian way so his his teams are set up to defend well and we we said i think um at, earlier in early in the season we didn't believe that City could win the league unless they started opening out and playing a bit more attacking football well what they've done is they've they've filled their front line with a whole load of attacking players still have that kind of defensive mentality in terms of structure so they still play a very you know with a, a very structured back four and, and two sat in front and then have all these talented players that can go and score them goals so uh, you know you'd say they they're not the finished unit in terms of a team yet but they have a hell of a load of talent in there yeah and they've scored an app I mean you know they've scored 13 and let in one at home and scored 14 and let in five away they're not playing defensively this season but as we were uh, informed by one of our listeners at Dale Goot uh, Manchester City so far uh, games uh, so far this season games between the potential top six clubs which he defines as Arsenal United Chelsea Man City Tottenham and Liverpool we've played four three at home and one away got 10 points and a plus 11 goal difference in in those fixtures amongst the top six Liverpool played three one at home two away uh, four points and minus two goal difference Tottenham played three uh, two at home one away three points minus three goal difference Man City they've only played one of the those potential top six teams they won away from home and scored a ton of goals past a very very ordinary Tottenham team just before Harry Redknapp done all that last minute business so so you know City not really faced much in the way of challenge this season although I guess they've been doing alright in Europe they've well yeah lost the game in Bayern and then uh, you know managed to get that uh, last minute winner against uh, Villarreal this week so um, yeah they've been doing alright they, they yeah I mean right yeah they haven't played top side since they faced us in the charity shield and we all remember what happened there that was great well fair enough uh, and Tottenham uh, were very 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 poor in that game and so I don't know whether that's a good bar but then again so were Arsenal so I don't know whether pulling the statistics out really really helps us much there so uh, I think the fact is that this is a this is the best city side that I've seen in well my lifetime I yeah, guess it's, it's, not, it's not even close is it yeah. it's, it's 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 miles and miles the best today. I guess it's the best team since summer B and all that business yeah that's that's kind of what 400 million pounds ought to do for you so I just I'm, I'm not a gambling man but I, I'm always interested in what the odds of fixtures are because I, I the people that, that do take gambling seriously obviously like bookmakers are, um, they make their money by being right about these things more often than they're wrong the Betfair exchange which is it's a more real reflection of what the perception of the gambling community is about a fixture it's not just set by a bookmaker we are 11 to 10 favourites to win and Manchester City are 3 to 1 to win uh, and a draw is 5 to 2 it's, it's good money on City if you want to take that one in two horse race I, I'm not a gambling man but I do not think the reality is that if this picture fixture gets played four times Manchester United win th- uh, well City fail to win three out of the four of those games I think that's a very favourable reflection on, on us and I guess the thing is history's on our side isn't it that's 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 the the reality of the situation is is the city side is still very unproven the one really good team they played this season was munich and 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 that was pretty disastrous from their perspective in terms of all the off the field stuff but they'll be up for this one in a whole different way and and there's no question that bayern munich are one of the best teams in the world this season yeah it's, it's the weird thing with bayern uh, they uh, they haven't massively transformed their side they they brought in they brought in jerome boteng and and obviously uh, manuel Neuer, the goalkeeper and but and uh, a couple of other 
the squad changes here and there but uh, yeah they're suddenly playing well where they were terrible last season so um, I think we, we can say that they will be one of the better sides in European football this year and, and maybe that's a reflection on, on where City is in Europe right at the moment but you know, um, that's a whole other question I, I think it's going to be a massively tough game at the weekend massively tough for United I think there's a real risk that United will get outgunned in midfield and it's a big the big big debate about whether to bring Cleverly back he's apparently fit and he spent uh, three days of intense training while United were away in Romania proving his fitness so he's he could be thrust back into it but this would be his first game in six weeks big one to be thrown back into I mean he obviously was hugely influential in the charity shield I mean that was really the game where it was suddenly everyone got really 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 excited about Tom Cleverly I guess impact sub makes sense doesn't it if, if it's not going well I don't know this is one of those games I'm really really glad I'm not actually a football manager um, I've been pretending to be one quite a lot lately because I'm I'm playing football manager 12 for a review forthcoming in rent monthly everybody go to unitedrant.co.uk and download Rant Monthly uh, when it comes out but yeah I've been playing football manager a lot and it's like I wouldn't like to have to make this decision I don't know what I would do what would you do I guess I would play the most attacking lineup possible and then if we didn't win just save save and just quit without saving and load the game up again you cheat god out, outrageous outrageous I knew I, I knew it I knew it it's a mission of cheating I knew it um, Fergie doesn't have that luxury all those years getting older shot down to the European Cup final never I it was never all shot town. It was Dagenham and Redbridge and Rushton and Diamonds. They were the two teams I got to the Champions League final. No cheating involved in that, that I must say. Well, no but one yeah. can believe you now. You've discredited yourself. Oh, no. I have no more credibility. What am I going to do? Uh, yeah, but so I have no idea. What what, what team is he going to pick, Ed? I, I have no idea. I can't call it for Ferguson. I mean, I can tell you what team... I would pick. What team would you pick? Because I don't, I don't know. know. I, mean, I, don't I guess know. <laughs> uh, you said you just said you could do it. I just don't think it can be done. I guess that I would play. Well, De Gea's back in goal, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay, Evra is at left back. So De Gea and Evra. That is that is where the easy decisions stop. Oh no, Nemanja is one of the centre backs. No doubt about that. Yeah, and and I think Rio will come back into it. He'll get. He will go for experience. Okay. Well, I I think that is a really big shout because Rio has been very very ordinary so far this season and if he's ordinary against Manchester City we're going to get destroyed they didn't take any risk with him it tells me that um, they're going to play him and, and I think Smalling will come in at right back that's my guess anyway for the back I, four I think that there's a really decent argument to play Smalling and Vidic and then play Jones at right back Smalling Vidic I mean Evans seems to be ahead in the pecking order when it comes to centre backs impossible this is impossible alright so let's just assume that that Ferdinand has not been the reason he's not been playing him is to keep him fit or, or get him fit rather than because of he played against Liverpool. Yeah, he wasn't great though, was he? Against he was all right. He, he was he was all right, and uh, I mean he needs those games, and uh, they didn't risk him uh, away in Romania. Yeah. So, uh, okay. And, uh, and that, the, the only reason can be that they're saving him for this game. Otherwise, so all signs port to that. And then, so at, at right back, you get to choose between Fabio Smalling and Jones, and you you go for Smalling, do well, you? Well, no, no. I pr- I would probably, if it was my choice, go with Fabio, just because he's the attacking, he's the attacking player, and gives us something more in the final third. I think Ferguson will go for the physicality of Smalling. I, no, that's not. That's in no way a slight on Smalling, who I think has developed fabulously as a United player and looks like a real United player but I, I think uh, his future is in the centre of defence and where, where he did have a very good game on Wednesday night excellent really excellent yeah, right and I think that's that's where it's, it's almost that Jones in in defence or midfield debate but with Smalling and he's going to be a really excellent centre back or a, a, an alright right back but but uh, you're not getting the best out so I, I, I think I think yeah, if, I was, if I was planning the season ahead I'd be putting uh, Fabio or Raphael in their right backs because that's their, their natural position and they're comfortable there and that's where you want them to develop uh, for this game I think I think uh, my guess is that Smalling will probably start at Duke underscore said that all the talk is of Phil Jones lately but seriously how good is Smalling steps in when needed and looks good doing it wasn't it two seasons ago he was a youth player for Fulham now he's a regular in defence for Manchester United very impressive incredibly impressive and the and the excitement around Phil Jones very justified has very slightly overshadowed uh, Chris Smalling's immense immense achievement at fitting into the United side and I I, I was super impressed 
impressed with his performance against Galati. I mean, they're, they're not the best team in the world by any stretch of the imagination, but still, he did what needed to be done really well. His positioning looked excellent. He was a brilliant centre-back in the making, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he, he looks like he's got all the right attributes. Obviously, you know, there's the physical side. He's uh, he's a big man, and he you know, he can uh, he's a plenty of pace and can handle that side of things. And his passing's okay, his distribution's okay. I mean, it's not, it's not outstanding, but it's pretty good. Um, the, you know, the thing you're looking for is, is there some learning in terms of his positioning and general defensive play and, and, you know, and concentration and all of that and I think he's growing uh, and I think he's going to be a, a real Manchester United player and, and it's been very proven already to be a very good bit of business I think in the long term it will prove to be an outstanding piece of business I just wanted to give a very quick shout out to at Kofaye97 um, who asked us a question that I think we've covered about Patrice Evra and whether or not he should be punished if, if it's a false accusation I just he asked the question so since we've covered that I wanted to mention it um, so Smalling on the on the right but you would go for Fabio but you think maybe Fergie more likely to pick Smalling I think I don't know what I would do I, th- I think I'd pick Phil Jones because I'd look at all the options I'd be like oh yeah but it'd be great if Phil Jones was playing just because I'd, I'd you know you say Fabio offers more in the final third but you know Jones Jones offers quite a lot that in that area too he, do, he does he does yeah yeah, yeah and bombing up and down uh, he's done very well when he's played there yeah and been very and impressive. then really this is it's pretty difficult to pick our defence but the midfield is just it's just a minefield isn't it because what on earth do you do are you assuming he's going to play one up front that would seem to me to be a, a pretty big mistake at home yeah I would really I would really really hope not I mean uh, Rangers is out so that, that's he's injured so discount discounts him there's the big question over Anderson versus Carrick versus Cleverly versus Fletcher in the centre midfield you assume two from there I mean if he is going to play sort of the 4-4-1-1 with Rooney in the hole behind Hernandez you kind of assume he will and then then Young and Young will take the left flank because he seems to have been uh, the you know solid pick in that unless Ferguson's really worried and plays Park yeah it could it could happen in the big games Valencia seems to get the nod again uh, ahead of Nani even though Nani offers offers more in terms of you know output goals and 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 all of that you know chances created and and goals scored so I would I would be bold and and go for Young and Nani as the wingers that there's every chance that Ferguson will go for Park and Valencia yeah I mean I, obviously I really hope he doesn't do that because fluency is the is the problem you lose so much fluency when you do that I mean you you know Park you get a lot from Park you do you, <laughs> excuse me you get energy we all know you get energy but you know he, he really is tireless and he does offer something going forward but what he doesn't offer is fluency he offers dynamism and putting himself in the right place at the right time and a history of incredibly important goals but but at a cost of fluency to our attacking play and dynamism. Yeah, yeah and, and but I mean, there's there's a chance here because uh, Ferguson will be concerned with with Nasri and uh, Silva and and the damage they can do yeah. in wide areas. So uh, and even if neither of those players are kind of natural hug the touchline chalk on the heels wingers, um, they they are, they're going to be a big part of of how City play. So Ferguson is going to be concerned about that. So there's a real chance that either one or both of Park or Valencia will play for the defensive. Uh, abilities uh, rather than Young and Nani for their offensive. Absolutely. Although Nani's pretty decent defensively as well, you know, he's not he's no Ronaldo. We had a question from at Eugene Wong seventy about whether in the modern game teams can afford to carry midfielders who don't defend. He cites a few examples, Cristiano Ronaldo, Arshavin and Tarapt. I think those are not three equal examples because a team can afford to carry Cristiano Ronaldo because Cristiano Ronaldo will carry a team. So yeah, and and he he almost never plays in a traditional four four two where he has some kind of responsibility to to cover to cover the fullback. Uh, I mean, obviously he has played in that position for United, and that was a criticism of him. He certainly doesn't play there from Madrid. Plays right through the middle most of the time, or or one of three uh, forward occasionally. Yeah, so. and then he's just you know he's just an absolute goal machine. So you can and he is yeah, and and Arshavin by contrast is an utter disgrace. I I'm really surprised he's still at, at uh, Arsenal. He's been so poor uh, over the last, well, you know, almost eighteen months now. He was so good when he first got here as well, and but he's just he just doesn't 
I don't know, maybe he really does have a terrible attitude. It's possible, isn't it? Tarapt, talking of terrible attitudes, QPR were very grateful to Tarapt in the championship because I think he, he kind of destroyed that league because he's way too good for it. And and so then then you can afford a kind of luxury player in inverted commas. But I, I think United's midfield would never, is not in a position to afford to carry midfielders who don't defend at all because it's just not the way we play, is it? No, no. And I don't I don't actually think we really have any players of that nature. So I don't, I don't think worry about that whatever two from four he picks in the centre of midfield they'll, they'll carry out their, their defensive responsibilities obviously the, the most defensive four he could pick would be to go with Valencia Fletcher Carrick and Park and the most flu- fluent four he could pick might be arguably would be to go with Nani Anderson Cleverly and Young if he picks Nani Anderson Cleverly and Young across the midfield I'm going to be so happy for at least the time between the team being announced and kick off. I don't necessarily think he should do that by any stretch of the imagination. I, I, but it would just it just be amazing if he does that. It's going to be it'd just be brilliant to see that kind of ridiculous swashbucklingness. Uh, he, I don't see that's very likely to happen. There's also a selection if he does if he does uh, play a four four one one. There's definitely a selection dilemma whether to pick Hernandez or Welbeck. The, the great thing about that selection dilemma is either way the other one can come on and make a difference and change the way we play if it's it's not working, you know, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you kind of go with Hernandez because of the, the proven goal scoring. You just know he's get, he can score a goal out of nothing. And But that'd be hard on Welbeck because he's had a fine, fine season. Yeah, and, and playing Welbeck for 60 minutes and then playing then playing Hernandez for the last half an hour is probably, you know, is, incredible, is very effective too. Yeah, you know? there's still the option that, that Ferguson would decide to, to go with Rooney up front on his own and, and add an extra body in midfield. I mean, he could, he could well do that. If he does that and doesn't play young on one side and nanny on the other side then i'll going to be devastated when i see the team sheet you know we, we've had a question we talked a little bit about right back when we were picking that team at jotsack uh j-o-t-s-a-k ask whether we have any concerns regarding the right back spot uh twins although great get injured a lot and smalling and jones are definitely center halves playing at right back it's an interesting point because there is definitely a lack of i mean at mufc jeff asked why we always have a defensive injury crisis every season not other positions and and definitely defensive injuries have been a, a, a real big part of why the right back position has been so fluid so far this season but who is our first choice right back and and do we have a problem well there? we don't have a problem in that there, there's plenty of quality that can come in so I, I don't think there's a problem I think you'd you'd, you'd kind of like someone to have the have the position on an almost full-time basis because that kind of creates that understanding in the back um, and part of the reason why we've conceded so many shots on goal this season it's, it's an extremely high number for a, a team that's second in the table yes is because there's there's been no consistency in the back four it's also because we've been playing a very open in midfield so uh, I don't think it's a problem plenty of quality uh, and uh, so that in, that in itself isn't uh, isn't concerning but uh, I would like to see United settle down on one player I'm, I'm with you completely um, talking of the amount of goals we've shipped we've been asked the question do we feel that United's inconsistency in Europe this season will cost us if we play a big side in the last 32 that's us at SKT 1994 I, I don't know about whether we play a big side in the last 32 I think our inconsistency in Europe is going to cost us at some point but not because of what's happened so far but because of the bits of our team which are not yet at the the fact that we are not as good as Barcelona this season and there might be a couple of other teams out there that we're not as good at us too. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the the concern, I suppose, is that United could end up not winning the group. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we could come to United and get a draw out of, out of the game at Old Trafford and, and uh, United could easily end up not winning this group and, and we could end up with Barcelona in the second round. Yeah. I mean, fortunately, I think we are going to win the group still. I mean, I, th- I, th- I think the fact that we've got to play Benfica at home and hopefully we'll maybe we'll hit a little patch of form before that, you know, it's, it's definitely not impossible. I was thinking about this, actually. We had a question from Jay Duke uh, who was asking about uh, our, our team's fitness. He said the other week how incredibly fit we looked compared to the other teams around us. And you had said that we'll see as the season progresses whether Fergie's strategy of getting the team at a very kind of high peak of fitness very early in the season would, would pay off because we do look a little tired and leggy. But I wonder if this is not just our kind of traditional slow start to the season slightly delayed. Yeah, I have no idea how to respond to that question. You know, because we, we, we always do start the season slightly off form. And this 
season we came out of the traps absolutely firing and this almost feels like there's just a bit of a lull you know and maybe it, I don't think there's I mean there are definitely endemic problems at United the the fact that we have not yet signed a brilliant central midfielder is, is it's still a problem you know it's still a significant issue central midfield is, is still the weakest area of the squad and I don't think I don't, yeah look, look the Carrick Fletcher, Anderson, Cleverly all got their problems. Cleverly inexperience, Anderson inconsistency, Fletcher uh, ongoing illness problems and, and offers something, but there's something else he doesn't offer. Carrick, uh, again, we're, we're always wanting something more, a little bit extra for me. Even, even, I think even the people are big supporters of Carrick and he does plenty of great stuff, Michael Carrick, but uh, there's, there's always a feeling that he could be given just a little bit extra. So yeah, it's definitely, it's a question mark that will hang over United and, and against a very best teams and uh, said you want to be one of those then uh, the central midfield is a, a really crucial area and it could come back to bite us and go you know whatever whatever uh, selection you picked uh, of of that four it would be nowhere near uh, what Barcelona I mean, Barcelona can field uh, Iniesta Xavi and uh, Fabregas and Busquets and and a whole host of you know really top class central central midfielders that United can't at the moment predictions oh no should we preview the order shot to hand again? yeah yeah yeah, uh, predictions we'll come to predictions at Aldershot Town Tuesday night it's, uh, it's, a, it's a massive game so big I, I cannot bring myself to care about the conversation we're about to have given given all the kind of build up to the City game uh, but I guess we should cover it we're going to play Aldershot Town on Tuesday in the Carling Cup Fergie will play a second string side which might not look that impressive but will almost certainly win because Aldershot Town are 16th in League 19th two. 19th in League 2 there you go it's an omen no 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 19th <laughs> it's yeah um, United should be miles better than than this lot uh, United there will be yes all all the second string will play uh, i mean the, the thing is the thing is there are so many players in the united squad not getting much of a game that uh, there'll be interesting what that second string is it might not be i think we've talked about this before it might not be a load of kids I mean but Berbatov and, and Owen are going to have to play aren't they? they they really need the time god that's so rubbish it's so rubbish that Berbatov gets a game away at Aldershot that's it's just... wrong and it's, it is an insult to him in, in many ways And uh, but but he does need the game time and um, and Lindegaard might play although the, the Ben Amos will come into the thinking as well he played Leeds didn't he so and hopefully some of the kids I mean Friars had a, such an excellent game at, at Leeds that uh, you kind of feel like he deserves another chance yeah. Yeah. Uh, given that um, Smalling, Jones, and Evans are all getting quite a lot of games anyway this season, and and depending on fitness, it doesn't it doesn't look like uh, Raphael's back ready to to come back yet. So I don't, I don't think he'll be ready for that game. But but a, a few no. other players uh, that will um you know maybe some maybe some of our squad midfielders maybe Paul Pogba will get a game. Yeah, maybe even Ravel who has turned up again, which is good. Scored an absolute belter last week. Yes, inter- interesting story floating around about Ravel Morrison, who was there. Uh, Shown round, I think that might be a euphemism, one of the uh, estates, and asked politely whether he'd like to be a footballer or like to be a gangster, and given a choice about that, yeah, let's, let's hope he's chosen the former. Yeah, I, I, I wish the lad well. So yeah, predictions. Uh, God, I did, didn't I predict an easy win at Liverpool <laughs> and, uh, and a clean sheet, something like that. So yeah, I don't, I don't think I, my record on this is too good. I'm going to predict that United are going to win this game 2-1, and I'd love it, I'd just love it if we beat them in the last minute <laughs> yeah that's always nice isn't it a draw ridiculous stupid fence sitting uh, I don't I don't know I don't I, I can't find the words to predict what's going to happen in this game they, they've got so many really dangerous players we've got so many really dangerous players mm, yeah but enough about all the shot what about the City United game <laughs> All right, all right, all right. Uh, two all draw against City and Aldershot. I'm just going to predict 5 0 because, you know, we really should beat Aldershot 5 0. It really should, whatever formation. Yes, I, I think. Well, you know, it's going to be a patchwork of the side, so I'm going to go for a 6 1. <laughs> I like the way it's going to be a patchwork of sides that we're going to score even more goals than I think we're going to score. Just wanted to say an enormous thank you for the playout tune this week. Uh, you've been picking different tunes every week with a United-related theme, Ed. Uh, this week we've got a real 
special treat for uh, the listeners. This is from the forthcoming Gan Juan mixtape, and uh, it's none other than Big United rant supporter Awate at Awate91. Uh, Awate absolutely smashing it on this track. Phenomenal. This easily, easily, easily uh, my favourite new song of 2011. Uh, it's called Flame On, and I think it's a, in in a small way a modern masterpiece. Good night. 